The Word of God uh, is the featured theme throughout the whole psalm. Um, we're not given the author of the psalm. Some say it was David. Some think it may have been a writer that came a little bit later than David. I could see if it was David. The style uh, seems very Davidic, but ultimately we don't know. The psalm is arranged in 22 stanzas, one for every letter in the Hebrew alphabet, which is what those superscripts are above each stanza. Aleph, Beit, those are the Hebrew letters. Each stanza has eight verses that all start with that letter of the alphabet. So every letter of the alphabet is exhausted eightfold to proclaim the glories of God and his word and, and just the surface is scratched. To the hasty reader, the one who's used to quickly reading through the scriptures, this psalm calls you to slow down. The very length of the psalm goes against the grain of our culture where we just want everything instantly. Efficiency, convenience reign in this culture. And we often don't take the time to admire beauty, to consider skillfully arranged art. And this psalm is a work of art. It's full of the riches of God's wisdom. Spurgeon wrote a book on it. It's called The Golden Alphabet. It's full of gold that just waits to be mined through careful meditation. 176 verses all centered around the Word of God. One of the themes that we'll look at today is meditation. And we'll see the psalmist bring this up over and over again throughout the, the chapter. But even the very nature of the psalm itself encourages us in meditation because on the surface, it might seem like there's a lot of maybe some unnecessary repetitiveness in the psalm. But we must remember that we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Not every doctrine, not every chapter summary, every word. Rather than going through verse by verse, or even stanza by stanza, I'll just be taking a couple themes that we find throughout the psalm to look at today. But before I read, let's pray. Father, we come to you, Lord, to hear from your word this morning. We were just reminded of, of your glories in your son as we've been singing, and we look and, and see him. Upward we look and see him there who made an end to all of our sin, our sinful soul counted free, for God the just is satisfied. Lord, what have you done? What have you done in sending your Son? You are the God of all grace, and we praise you, Lord. We, we praise you that you have given us life, Lord, and just as we trust you to provide all things for us, we trust that you will provide not just our daily bread, physically, Lord, but our daily bread now as we come to your word. And Lord, I pray you'd be with me, help me to speak clearly and proclaim your excellencies this morning. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 119, beginning in verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. 
How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it, according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wonder from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servants will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord. Your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually forever and ever. And I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort and my affliction, that your promise gives me life. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. 
I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me that they may know your testimonies. May my heart be blameless in your statutes that I may not be put to shame. My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. My eyes long for your promise. I ask, when will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, yet I have not forgotten your statutes. How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? The insolent have dug pitfalls for me. They do not live according to your law. All your commandments are sure. They persecute me with falsehood. Help me. They have almost made an end of me on earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your steadfast love, give me life, that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth, and it stands fast. By your appointment, they stand this day, for all things are your servants. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. 
I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Uphold me according to your promise that I may live and let me not be put to shame in my hope. Hold me up that I may be safe and have regard for your statutes continually. You spurn all who go astray from your statutes for their cunning is in vain. All the wicked of the earth you discard like dross. Therefore I love your testimonies. My flesh trembles for fear of you and I am afraid of your judgments. I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Give your servant a pledge of good. Let not the insolent oppress me. My eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. Deal with your servant according to your steadfast love and teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It is time for the Lord to act, for your law has been broken. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Therefore, I consider all your precepts to be right. I hate every false way. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me for man's oppression that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Righteous are you, O Lord, and right are your rules. You have appointed your testimonies in righteousness and in all faithfulness. My zeal consumes me because my foes forget your words. Your promise is well tried and your servant loves it. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is righteous forever, and your law is true. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Your testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding that I may live. With my whole heart I cry, answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I call to you, save me, that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. Hear my voice according to your steadfast love. O oh Lord, according to your justice, give me life. They draw near who persecute me with evil purpose. They are far from your law, but you are near, O oh Lord, and all your commandments are true. Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked. for They do not seek your statutes. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. I look at the faithless with disgust because they do not keep your commands. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. 
Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies for all my ways are before you. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. The first theme that we'll look at from this psalm is the theme of life. So a prayer that we heard over and over again throughout the psalm is give me life. Some of the translations might say revive me, but the idea is one of giving life. Life, as we see it throughout this psalm, throughout the scriptures, is of greatest importance. God often reasons with us on account of our desire to live and to keep our life. We all have that innate, that innate desire to live and not die. We all eat food. We all drink water. We're all, when we go up to a high place on a cliff, we don't get too close to the edge. If we're handling a knife or a dangerous tool. We're going to be careful with it because we want to live. We want to preserve our lives. We don't have to think about that. And God speaks to us in light of us having that desire. Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. So God spoke to the people of Israel through Moses and pleaded with them to choose life. Luke 9, 24, Jesus says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So again, Jesus here is reasoning with us and says, If you would save your life, assuming you want to save your life, you'll lose it for my sake. So this life is of such value that you lose everything for the sake of Christ to gain your life. So when, when we hear this life being spoken of throughout the psalm, this isn't just life on earth. Everyone's going to lose that, right? Our days are numbered. Our bodies are wearing out. Life in this world is only temporary. James says, what is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So this life is here today. It's gone tomorrow. And this life isn't unique to those who are walking with God, right? Both the righteous and the wicked enjoy this life, enjoy the breath that God gives to all mankind. But the scriptures testify to something much better than simply being alive in the body. Psalm 63, verse 3 says, Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. It's better than life. It's better than just having breath. The steadfast love of the Lord, which is known and treasured and enjoyed only by those who are righteous, who are walking with the Lord. First Timothy six, eighteen and nineteen, 
Paul says they're to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So storing up treasure here is not truly life. Seeking to make money to have nice things and to live comfortable lives, this is not life. Giving to meet the needs of others and being generous with what you have rather than keeping and storing it up for yourself, right? your money, your possessions, your time. Sharing these is how we store up for the future. And in this way, Paul says, we'll take hold of that which is truly life. There's many things that present themselves as life-giving, but the scriptures hold forth that which is truly life. Don't be satisfied with this earthly life. Take hold of that which is truly life, he says. Jesus came that we might have this life. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. True life, abundant life. God is the God of all grace. He came to give life and not, not just to a small degree. He came to give it abundantly in the fullest measure that our cups might overflow. John 17, Jesus tells us what eternal life is. First, he says that he gives it, and he says he gives it to all whom the Father has given him. And then in verse 3, he says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Isn't eternal life just living forever and not dying? Isn't it? not being thrown in the lake of fire? Well, that's true, but that, that tells us more what it's not. It's not dying. It's not suffering eternal term, torment. It's not suffering and enduring the wrath of God, the everlasting wrath of God. This is what we're saved from, but we're also saved to something. We're saved to God himself, to be with him. So eternal life is to know God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. So it's to know the Father, know the Son, and this is at its core what life is. Life is knowing God. It's relational. Paul says, for to me to live is Christ. This is life, brethren. Jesus Christ. Isn't that what he says? I am the way, the truth, and the life. To know God. This is the very sum and substance of eternal life. This is what you were made for. Getting married, having children, these are good things. These are gifts from the Lord, but they're not our portion as Christians. Psalm 17, David speaks of men of the world whose portion is in this life. And it says that they're satisfied with children. In our psalm that we just read, verse 57, it says, The Lord is my portion. Portion. When the spoil is divided up, what do you get? What's your portion of the spoil? What is your part of the inheritance? What's your reward? It's the Lord Himself. Even doing good works, taking the gospel to the nations, making disciples, these are all things that we must be about. These are commandments that we must be doing. But there's something more foundational our ultimate purpose and what it means to really live knowing God. This is the heart of life, to know God. So over and over again in the psalm, we find this phrase, give me life. And let's look at just a few, just to get a flavor of the context that we find it in. Verse 25, 
My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Verse 50. This is my comfort and my affliction that your promise gives me life. Verse 107. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Life is needed in the midst of affliction. So he writes in, in verse 25, my soul clings to the dust. What a picture. His, his very soul is as nothing. And all it has to cling to, as it were, is dust. It's laid low. It's barely hanging on. We have seasons of this kind of sorrow and hardship. And we're brought so low, we feel that our soul is just lying there in the dust. Some of us might be in this season right now. Severe affliction. This isn't hyperbole when he uses that. These are words inspired by the Spirit of God, written by someone who's enduring very difficult trials. And what is it that the psalmist needs? He needs life. Life according to God's word. Give me life. What is it that brings comfort in such affliction? That your promise gives me life, he says. Life that comes from God. This is why the psalmist prays and seeks the Lord to give him this life. Life is not found elsewhere. This is life that sustains us in the midst of intense suffering. God alone gives life to the soul that's clinging to the dust. Let's look at a couple more verses here just to keep filling out what's meant by this language of giving life. Verse 17, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Verse 88, in your steadfast love, give me life that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. These aren't merely prayers asking for physical life, that the Lord physically save him from his enemies. And I say that because life is paired here with keeping God's word. It doesn't just say that I may live. He says that I may live and keep your word, that I may keep the testimonies. This life is actually far more significant than physical life. If the Lord doesn't give this life, your soul is at stake. This is a far greater value than the body. Life so that we might continue in the ways of the Lord. So this is about faith. This is about continuing to trust the Lord and not doubt his goodness and his wisdom and his power. And this is about endurance that we might not lose heart, that we might not drift away from what we've heard. Life, so that we're not hardened into unbelief. And this is to be a continual prayer. Give me life that I may keep your word, Lord. We have this continual need for the Lord to be giving us life. We need him to sustain us or we will not make it. Another fast of life as we see in the psalm here, verse 175, let my soul live and praise you. So we need the Lord to give us life to praise him. Not just with a mouth, but with the soul. Let my soul live and praise you. This is praise that comes from the overflow of a heart that's full of the joy and and peace and delight that comes from knowing God. And then the heart that then brings forth praise from the lips. When trials abound, 
and sorrows rise and, and darkness seems to cover the face of the earth, look to God to give you life, to give life to your soul that you might praise him. Psalm 34, verse 1, David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Job, after he'd received the news that he lost everything, that all ten of his children had died, what did he do? He fell on the ground and he worshipped. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He didn't just not curse God. He blessed the Lord. He blessed the name of the Lord and he worshipped him. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. No fruit, no food, no sheep, no oxen, nothing prospering, nothing in sight to, to praise the Lord for. All is lost, but he rejoices in God. His joy is bound up in the God of his salvation. And there's times when our hearts might be there. They might be at a loss to praise God. We're seeking for something to praise him for and we're coming up empty. Seek the Lord that he might let your soul live and praise him. Psalm 33, verse 1. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Praise is only fitting for the upright in heart. Psalm 30, verse 4, sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. Are you one of his saints? Are you one of the righteous that he declares righteous? Well, then you have reason to praise. God himself has put a song of praise in your heart, and though you might lose everything, you've gained everything in Christ, and the Lord is your portion. We have union with Christ himself. We sang about that this morning. We are one with him, and so we cannot die. Let my soul live and praise you. We need life in the midst of severe affliction when our souls cling to the dust. We need life so that we might keep God's word, so that we might continue in faith and endure to the end. And we need life so that we might praise God from the heart. And the psalmist addresses these needs to God. Give me life. Let my soul live. God sustains us. He is the giver of life. But how? How does God give life? If you're in Christ, how is it that you've passed from death to life? How did God make you alive when you were yet dead in trespasses and sins? You certainly didn't make yourself alive. A dead man can't give himself life. A dead man can't do anything. Was it not by hearing his word? 1 Peter 1, 23, this is something that Chris taught through not too long ago. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. You've been born again through the word of God, the living and abiding word of God. You've been born of an imperishable seed. You have life. Life 
that death cannot destroy, an imperishable, eternal life. Life has come to you through God's word. John 6, 63, Jesus says, The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. We took our first breath of spiritual life, as it were, when we heard the word and when we believed. And this is how we go on living, in the same way. The word brought life from death, and the word keeps us alive. The word revives us, gives us life. Psalm 119 Verse 93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. By his precepts, by his word, God gave him life. And so the psalmist is, is resolved never to forget the precepts of the Lord. Why? Because they still serve to give him life. The Lord has begun a good work in us by his word, and he will bring it to completion by his word. He will sanctify us completely by his truth, by his word. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered Satan, who tempted him to satisfy his hunger by turning the stones into bread. And he said, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Isaiah 50, verse 4 This is speaking of the servant of the Lord, the Messiah. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. This is Jesus. Jesus was given the tongue of those who were taught wisdom to know how to speak to the weary, to the weary in soul, that he might sustain them. How? With a word. God sustains the weary with the word. He revives the weary soul with his word. So if you would find refreshment for your soul, if you'd find strength to press on and not grow weary, if you would be revived and live so that you can continue to run with endurance, where will you turn? Where will you find that strength to go on? Where are you going to find life? Go to the scriptures, brethren. And call upon the Lord, as the psalmist expresses here for us, give me life according to your word. This wouldn't be a prayer in Scripture if God didn't want us to look to him for this life, for continual life. The word of God revives the soul. This is the very testimony that our brother Dan gave us last week. He had been overcome with great fear. And this was a man who was familiar with combat and war zones, but now he had a very real threat from someone with the means and the intent to kill him. I was thinking about this. There's actually a lot of parallels here to King David. David was a man of war. He was known as the one who had killed tens of thousands, surely escaped death time and time again, and um, even when he was a shepherd, right, he was fighting off lions and bears, And then Saul, a man that once loved David, he came after him relentlessly, hunted him. And this is the occasion of many of the Psalms that we have. You have David crying out to the Lord. And and when this man sought to kill Dan, fear swept over him. And then he said that he and Crystal came to their reading 
they came to Psalm 34. And it was David's testimony in that psalm of God delivering him from all of his fears. That when he cried, the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles, all of his troubles. So he heard those words, and the Lord sustained him. The Lord sustained Dan. He was no longer plagued by fear. He was delivered from his fears. So God gave him life. Right? He gave him life by giving him a sight of himself as the one who delivers people from fear. And he wants us to know him as that God, as the God who delivers from every fear and affliction, or else we wouldn't have a psalm like this recorded for us. God is the giver of life. He gives eternal life to whoever hears his word and believes. And he continues to sustain his people with life through his word. Life in severe affliction and sorrow. Life to keep the word and continue in faith. And life to praise the Lord at all times. And the life that God gives is, at its core, knowing him. Remember that definition, to know God and to know his son. That's eternal life. And this is what we need, brethren. So if you're on the brink of despair, you need the knowledge of God. If you're suffering under severe affliction, you're under discipline from the Lord, you need a sight of God in his word. If you're at a loss to, to speak to your own soul and remind yourself why God is worthy of praise, behold him in his word. This is what Job needed, right? He didn't need to know why he suffered as he did. He needed to know God as the great creator and sovereign Lord over all who alone is from eternity. This is what Paul needed, not for the thorn to be removed. He needed to know God as the God who gives sufficient grace. This is what John needed, not to be restored from exile, but to have a vision of God on his throne reigning, ruling over the nations, bringing to pass all of redemptive history all the way until he brings his people to give his son as his bride. And this is what we need. We need to know God and to know his son. A second theme we'll look at is that of meditation. And I think you'll see it's, it's intimately connected with the first theme, of giving life. So if you would live and continue to walk with the Lord and, and fight the good fight of the faith, and meditation must be part of your arsenal. Well, first, what is it? What is meditation? Well, biblical meditation has to do with the Word of God, always. Every time we read of meditation in this psalm, it's about the Word. The object is always God's Word. The psalmist meditates on the precepts of the Lord, his statutes, his ways, his law. On the contrary, when we hear of meditation in the world, it's usually having to do with some sort of internal awareness, right? Mindfulness. Paying attention to your thoughts, paying attention to your breath. This is inward focused. Meditation in the scriptures is focused on God and his word. And the idea here to meditate is to carefully consider something. You're thinking over something. You're pondering it. You're, you're musing on something. Using the mind to bring the truths of God to remembrance and then to just keep thinking upon them. 
We find similar ideas throughout Scripture, even if the word meditate isn't used. Philippians 4, verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The New King James translates that, meditate on these things. And others, other translations have dwell on these things. Right? So let the mind dwell on these things. Hebrews 12.3, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Consider Jesus. Consider the way in which he endured suffering. Remember what's written for us in the scriptures so that we can look to Christ as our example. And then in the beginning of that chapter, we're told to run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus. Right? Look to him. Consider him. Think upon him. Colossians 3, verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So we have very clear instruction from the Lord what we're to do with our minds, what we're to think upon, what we're to meditate on. So let's look at a sample just of the places that's found in our psalm. Psalm 119, verses 14 through 16. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Verse 47 and 48, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. I think it's pretty clear from these verses that meditating on the word of God is very closely connected with delighting in the word of God. So he doesn't just talk about obeying the word, keeping the word. He loves the word of God. And he uses repetition to emphasize how much he loves God's instruction. You look back at verse 15. He says, I'll meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. This is helpful because we see meditate here is in in parallel with fix my eyes. So to meditate on the word of God is to fix your eyes on it, to fix the eyes of your heart on what he says. We have control over what, what we look at with our eyes. And we have control over the eyes of our heart, what we fix our heart on. Right? So fix it. Have it to stop on the word. And don't go in other places. Keep them there. Fix your gaze on his instruction. There's lots of things to look at. We need to fix our gaze on his word. And then bookending this verse, right before and right after, we find the psalmist delighting in the word. Verse 47, we find the idea of delighting again. He says, For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. And just in case we miss that he loves God's commandments, he mentions God's commandments again in the next verse and adds, which I love. And so he says, you'll meditate on them. And then verse 97, he doesn't know how to express the degree to which he loves God's law. And so he just says, oh, how I love your law. And then paired again with love, love for the word is meditation. This time adding all the day. Do you love the word of God? Is it your greatest delight? Is it sweeter than honey to your taste? Do you crave it? 
Do you long for it? Verse 20 says, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Consumed. The whole soul is filled with a desire for the word of God. Do you, like newborn babies, long for the pure spiritual milk of the word? Or has it become stale? Is it a wearisome task to you to read and, and think upon the scriptures? Does it seem like there's, there's very little or no sweetness in the word? If we're not meditating on what we read and what we hear, we don't digest it. It's as if we're eating this really good food, this rich food, but we're not getting any nutrients from it because we're not digesting it. It's not even satisfying our hunger because we've taken it in, but we haven't digested any of it. And it's not just in Psalm 119 that we see this. Psalm 1, which our brother Ben's been teaching on the past few weeks. Psalm 1, verse 2, this is speaking of the blessed man, says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So again, he's meditating on the law of God morning and evening, and the law is his delight. Psalm 63, verses 5 and 6, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. Satisfied. The soul finds satisfaction and there's praise and there's joy when? He says, when I remember you, when I meditate on you. Joy, delight, love for the word of God, these are all fruits of meditation. So if the word has been dry to you, fix your eyes on it. And as the Lord grows your delight in his word, you're just going to want to meditate on it more and more. It's going to lead you to want to meditate more. There's another fruit of meditation that we see in the psalm. It's not only delight in in the word. Verse 98 and 99 says, Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Wisdom and understanding. So the commandment being ever with him led him to surpass his enemies, surpass his teachers in wisdom and understanding, because the word was ever with him. Verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word is there. It's it's ever in his heart. He stored it up there and it protects him against sin. Not just stored in the mind and able to recite the word, it's stored in the heart as he's meditated on it. He's digested it. He's dwelt upon this word. He understands it as he's thought on it and it has become useful to him so that it actually guards him against sin. So an understanding of God's word is necessary if we would keep his word. Verse 34 says, Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. So how will we keep God's word and observe it with our whole hearts? We need understanding. We need wisdom. And these come from God. 
As his word is ever with us, he will grow us in wisdom. And we, we must ask. We must pray for these things. Right? Just as the psalmist, again, is exemplifying for us, give me life. Right? Give me understanding. Over and over again, another one of the most common prayers we have throughout the psalm, teach me. Teach me your statutes. Colossians 1. <clears throat> this is Chris, Chris's Vision Sunday text from a, uh, a few years back. Colossians 1.9. And so from the day we heard, and we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So God gives understanding as we seek him in prayer, as we meditate on his word. This is exactly what Paul tells Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.7. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So how are you going to strive to fight against sin, to keep the word of God with your whole heart? You need understanding. And how do we grow in understanding? You think over what the Lord says. You store it up in your heart. You treasure his words. It's ever with you. And you pray that the Lord give that understanding. Another context that we find meditation in is in the context of persecution. So listen to these. Verse 23. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Verse 78. Let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Verse 95, the wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. And there's several more. Being plotted against. So I think we all have a little bit clearer understanding of of what this is like after we heard the testimony of our brother, the plot that was made against him, the man that wanted him dead, and and fear threatened to overtake him. Another thing he says here, wronged with falsehood. There's false witnesses. There's liars. A lying tongue hates its victims. There's hatred. The world hates us, brethren. And there's the wicked lying in wait to destroy. So fear, hatred coming against him. What does he do? He meditates on the word of God and considers his testimonies. How will we be delivered from fear? How will we endure to the end in the face of a world that hates us? And even if there's not someone personally plotting against you, isn't there a great adversary whose aim is to steal and kill and destroy? Do not fear, brethren. Let the word of God be your meditation. Let his words flood your mind. Let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. Because if you don't, Satan will fill your mind. And you'll live in fear and worry. And these things will paralyze you. So meditation brings forth delight in God's word. It increases our wisdom and our understanding. And it's necessary for our endurance in the face of persecution. And finally, meditation guards against hardness of heart. Verse 69 and 70. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, a heart that doesn't feel. It's just completely numb. It's unable to taste the sweetness of the word. It's like putting honey in the mouth and you taste nothing. There's no taste. The word that's to be our, our daily bread 
It turns the stomach. What's meant to satisfy, you have no taste for. You have no hunger. You have no appetite for rich food. These are signs that someone is usually pretty sick when they're not hungry. But on the contrary, the psalmist says that he delights in God's law. So there's the heart that does not feel. The word of God comes to that heart, and it finds no way in. It finds no place in that heart. The word just kind of bounces right off. It's not received. And then there's the heart that responds rightly to God's word. It hears the word and delights in it. And, and it's actually really good news. So we've already seen that meditation leads to delight in the word. <clears throat> so if we would keep from having hearts that are unfeeling, if we keep from, from being apathetic toward the most glorious things in all of existence, the most glorious things that can be spoken of, then the meditation of our hearts must be on those glorious truths. And again, we see the significance of having delight in the word of God. Verse 92, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Hardness of heart leads to perishing. Is it important that we delight in the word of God? It's life or death. Think about the parable of the soils. The second type of soil is that seed that falls on rocky ground produces some growth quickly, but then it doesn't have any depth of soil. The sun proves to be too much, and, and the plant withers and dies. Persecution, tribulation come along. No fruit. So the words received with joy at first, but when affliction comes, they fall away. They perish in their affliction. The law is not their delight. They don't hold fast to what they hear. Now, Listen to that verse and the next verse together, verses 92 and 93. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Those who forget the word perish in their affliction. Do not forget, brethren. Store up, your word, store up his word in your heart. Hold fast to it. And here's just a final illustration <clears throat> for the man who does not take care, the man who's not careful to meditate on the instruction of the Lord and take heed to his ways. This is from Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 through 34. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction, a little sleep. A little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Negligence. The man didn't actively work to destroy his vineyard. He simply just didn't care for it. He was just passive. He didn't take care of his vineyard. And it, it led to disarray, it led to poverty. No fruit just thorns and, and nettles, stinging nettles. Take care of your souls, brethren. Guard your hearts with all vigilance. Let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. Meditate on God's word, and it will become your great delight. You will grow in wisdom as you meditate on his word. You will be given endurance. You will be sustained to endure affliction and persecution, and you'll be kept 
from hardness of heart so that you might live. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is is everything to us. It is our life. You have brought us life through your word and you are sustaining us and we continue to live by your word. Lord, I pray that you would refresh our souls, refresh in us this desire for your word, that we would long for your word. We'd be able to say with a psalmist, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all time and, and my heart stands in awe of your words. Lord, so let us fix our eyes on Christ. Um, let us not see this as an optional thing and things to do once in a while when we remember. Lord, so grow us all here in this body, Lord. Grow us in, in joy in your word and delight in your word. Um, grow us in understanding and wisdom. Um, if, if, if we don't understand certain parts of scripture, just to, to think upon these things. Lord, and, um, yeah, would you sustain us, have us to endure all the way to the end that we might be saved. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.